0: Get a gun. Hello and welcome to episode 207 of Slam Fire Radio for May 26, 2017. I'm one of your hosts, Adrian Michaud.
3: And I'm another one of your hosts, <laughs> Kelly Lynn.
2: Is it my turn? Dang it. it yes. Oh, yeah. you. <laughs> I was too busy writing down things because. I know, right? <laughs> and we like, all okay, of a sudden, this guy just fair. starts saying, hey, yeah. and welcome to the show. And I'm like, what? You started? Here's etiquette. <laughs> here we are. Etiquette. Angel. Are there, you guys there was ready there was yet? none of this. Hey, you guys none ready? Just, you guys ready? Oh. Uh, are we? We're gonna start now. No, none of that. No, it's just like boom. Here we are.
1: And as a result, Matthew got caught off guard, and he looks
2: stupid yet again. So oh, I see you don't need to try hard to do that though, yeah. <laughs> as you'll find out when you listen to the interview with Ian later <laughs> on in the show because that was fun. Well, did you
1: embarrass us again?
2: I embarrassed me. Look, Oi. he said. He said he doesn't like the B A R, but I didn't hear the B. I just heard him say A R. He doesn't like the A R, so I just lost it. It's like, what do you mean you don't like the A R? And so we and had oh. a, we had a big A R discussion. Then I'm like, so so tell me, why don't you like the A R fifteen? Because I love the A R fifteen. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, didn't you just say? He says no B A R. I'm like, oh, c- oh, sorry.
3: So what has he got against the B A R?
2: Uh, you'll have to listen to the interview and find out.
3: Oh come on, I like the B A R
2: i shot it a few times. That's a nice teaser, huh? Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, I'm Matthew, and I'm Trevor Furlot. Oh, hello. There
0: Furlott. we
1: go. Hello. We got oh.
0: through it. <laughs> next time, I'll uh, next time I'll put a beep or something like that. Shooter, are you ready? Something. And yes. <laughs>
1: And then we'll know to start. Oh, that would have been a great intro for Action Shooting Radio.
2: It would be. Yeah.
1: Shooter, are you Patented ready? Patented Matthew Yeah. Not shooter. So off. Not shooter, just are you ready? Yeah, that's right. That's,
2: that's IDPA that does
1: Shooter Ready. Yeah, yeah. I think just, I don't think USPSA does it. IPSC used to do it apparently years ago, so maybe it's... Maybe it started it. here and
2: they just never caught up with the rest of it because like, we're running yeah, so fast
1: never. and they're just walking and shooting. They never <laughs> dropped it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: uh, that was an awesome, awesome start. I know, right? <laughs> well, it's a start. <laughs> All right.
0: <clears throat> what we did with guns this week is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Uh, right now, they've got Calgary area exclusive target vision remote viewing systems. The target vision is a fixed lens, portable, battery powered, wireless spotting scope that can be viewed from a phone or tablet. So you can pop that out at the range and uh, not have to squint to see your uh, your holes in your target or lack thereof. And That's uh, pretty cool. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Hmm. yeah kind of neat. Uh, why don't we start off with uh, Matthew. Hi. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, pretty good. Oh, what, yeah. uh, what have you been up to? Just uh, long walks on the beach and, uh, yes, flying, in over the and flying, flying over the sunset.
2: Flying over the sunset, yes. Squirrels? I uh, yeah. got some real serious altitude, got over the sunset. It was <laughs> awesome. Uh, no, I have been playing with a squirrel in the house the last couple of days. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? <laughs> it isn't actually There was literally a squirrel in the house For over 24 hours We thought it was gone But it was hiding behind my Tannerite box <laughs> <Yes.
4: laughs>
2: That was almost a sign <laughs> But yeah. we did not Tannerite The squirrel inside the house You still could have shot it Because the Tannerite wasn't mixed So That's right it would have been fine But guns are loud inside a house Air rifle, how many air pistols do you have right now? More than I can count? So yeah, I could have, I could have used an air pistol and killed it, but whatever it uh it ran right into a cat carrier, and so I just took it outside and let it go, and it immediately ran right back into the house, so that was fun. I had to: do <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're kidding me.
3: <laughs>
2: it almost ran right back into the house. It didn't actually, but it wanted to, but uh, yeah, I made sure he didn't. So, but anyway, uh-huh. so that
1: was fun. When it was leaving, did it say, like, Sticks and Toby say hello? Or? It did,
2: yes. The, he, <gasps>
1: yeah. So.
2: Cool. <laughs> so thing. I did some actual shooting, too. Uh, last Sunday, I have volunteered to help with the trap uh, at the club. We're going to start shooting traps Sunday mornings again. And so I went out Sunday morning with the other guys who are setting that up, and we offloaded Thousands and thousands of clay pigeons uh, into the bunker and and loaded up the, the trap machine and got it all ready and then we figured well what the heck we're all here
1: and we might well <laughs> we you might as well ship it you might as well test it do you know where your club acquired them yes I do and you know what you paid yes I do all right send me we acquired
2: we acquired them in the field and we paid nothing because they are the ones that weren't broken from last year. Oh yeah, break. we haven't bought any new ones yet. <laughs> I don't know, but oh. when I when we do, I will let you know where we got them and what the price is, and hopefully uh, that can help you out
1: too. How long did they stay outside?
2: Oh, not long. They picked them up like every like this one guy. The he's uh, helping okay. out with it. He every day that they shot them, any time they miss, he just went out and collected the boxes of them
1: and put them in his trailer and took them home, and he just okay. brought them all back. I thought you like picked up something that had been sitting around for a while because they're biodegradable, right? That's so when right. you you pick yeah. them up that have been sitting too long, and you put them back in the machine. Oh, they, they
2: crumble. The they come machine. out. Yeah, they. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, nope. they we while well, we we threw, oh, we shot a couple rounds, so we tossed uh, over hundred and fifty of them, I think, and uh, they, they all came out without breaking. So that was good. So shot that. I shot a, a very. Dismal twelve out of twenty-five. What? <laughs> yeah, twelve. It's been a that's long like time a- since I shot trap, and I wasn't using my own shotgun. I was using one of the other guys, so uh-huh. that uh, that's as far as the excuses will go. I should have done better, but whatever. It was fun. Eh. What are you gonna do? I'll go practice more. Is what I'll do. There you go. Yeah. Today I went flying, and <clears throat> a brother, I think, of the Groundhog from last week popped his head up. And uh, I was in a field. I landed in a field. So you did a touch and go I on no, his face? I, I wanted to do a touch and go in his face. <laughs> but no, he basically, he. I went for a walk around this this meadow and walked along the stream and skipped some rocks and stuff. And as I was walking back to the plane, the plane's about 100 yards away still. <clears throat> and I see this brown dirt clump next to the plane that wasn't there when I landed. And I'm like, oh, son of a gun, that's a gopher or groundhog, oh, sorry, Jeff, and uh, <laughs> me without my gun. So I snuck on up on it nice and quiet like just to see how close I could get, and I got fairly close, probably within shooting? 10 yards of it.
1: Oh, so you didn't get like field goal kicking range. Oh, no, I Punt- didn't. Hunt him over the
2: plane. <laughs> but I know where he lives, so I'm exactly. going to strap the rifle to the struts and
1: <laughs> fly back sometime next week, and maybe he'll be out again, and I can pop him in the face. Why can't we like put me in the back and let me shoot from inside the airplane? In in America, <laughs> you can shoot an AR fifteen out of a helicopter at hogs. Yeah. We can't fly over fields and shoot gophers? No. I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty
0: sure you put the AR fifteens in the wings and then you remote actuate them from inside the cockpit. I don't and see any strafing with this. runs.
2: Yeah, that's a great yeah. idea actually. I like it. <laughs> uh,
0: but in all seriousness, right? Like
2: That'd be cool.
1: Yeah, it would be very So
2: cool. the rule is no firearms discharged from a motorized vehicle. What if I turn no. the engine off, right?
1: Because well,
2: when I... you go duck hunting they, in your in your rowboat with a motor on it, you're allowed to hunt from that as long as you uh, turn the engine off and, and raise it out of the water, right? I and, remember reading and, that.
1: And that's like the only exception. Like even like you see the guys moose hunting where they've got the big uh, tower built in the box of the truck. Yep. They're not allowed to shoot from that anymore. Nope truck it's, running or not
2: it's ridiculous it's a stupid rule it really is yep
1: but whatever gotta b- abide by it i guess
2: um yeah that was it it was uh, a squirrel in the house a groundhog i didn't shoot and 13 missed clays so <laughs> that's that's what i did oh and this weekend i'm going over to Restigouche and i will be shooting a match with trevor on
1: saturday so that'll yes. be fun. you in yeah. for sunday as well now all righty. One is good enough.
2: Yeah. I know. Cool. <laughs> beer, so it's beer. your first, first huh? one this year. Yeah, it will be my first year? one this year? Oh, speaking of which, i got to get some ammo from you, I think. All right. You got 147 grains over there? I have 2,000 left. Okay. W- w- what's,
1: cool. the, what's the smallest quantity you can sell them in? Uh, a box of one th- th- uh, 334.
3: You're supposed to say okay. 2,000. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I I don't want to buy a thousand rate yet. I I might yep. buy a thousand eventually, but I want to buy a smaller, a lesser amount first to make sure that they work out of my gun nice. I'm sure Imagine. they will, but I just want to make yep. sure.
1: I um, have, um, yeah, we can work something out because I, I ended up having to break up a thousand um, because I didn't know how they were packed in the box and right. somebody ordered a smaller amount than I'm technically allowed to sell. So <laughs> they had his money and I broke up broke it up and gave him his ammo. Right. So yeah, whatever. Now, we'll, yeah, well, yeah, we'll
2: do whatever we need to do. There's no big deal. Yeah, I just want to try cool. it out, and I'll try it at the match, and I'll I'll bench the pistol afterwards after the match, maybe, and shoot for groups well, we, to see how it does. Well, depending, when are you going to get here
1: on Friday? Because we're going to the range on Friday.
2: Oh well, then I will, I will attempt to leave right after school. I'll leave right from school.
1: And um, we
2: put me there. Supper time is tomorrow.
1: There's a crow's nest on Crown Land near the range that needs to be eradicated. You got a varmint license? Do I ever? All right. We'll eradicate that varmint like it's nobody's
2: business. Exactly. You need to get a varmint license? Yeah, we have For, to get yeah. a varmint license. We can't shoot anything without
1: a license in New Brunswick. Without paying, without paying tax, which yep. is theft, right? So That's right. Taxation huh? is theft. Government wants I'll just to think recover. of it like a, uh, what do you call it, like a, a fair entry
0: or, a, uh, you know, no, I'd just like to get, to get out there and this... just blast whatever you want to.
1: Nope. No, I'd rather think of it as theft. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> so well, they gotta they gotta make uh, uh, more areas for those uh, groundhogs to live, right? That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, just imagine all your money going towards that—just <laughs> dirt. It's
2: groundhog <laughs> conservation,
0: is what it is. Yeah. Groundhog
2: conservation fund. We need to set that up, Trev. Get Absolutely. the population
1: up so we can. shoot Never more. mind. Ducks unlimited. Let's that's start right. creating habitat for groundhogs.
2: Habitats for for groundhogs. <laughs>
1: I like it. Oh humanity, that's somebody else's gig. We're yes, habitat yeah. for Groundhog. Oh
2: nothing humane about us. Wait, no, that's not true. Actually we are quite no. humane. Headshot, yes. boom. <laughs> that's right. Seekers <laughs> of the Red Mist. Hmm. I like it. Alright. I think
1: that's that's what I did. So I think it's time for Trevor to say what he did. Okay, so last week I just want to make a correction. I forget what movie I or I forget the context of the uh reference, but I referenced a movie um when we yeah, I remember now we were talking about Glock. Rise of America's uh, handgun or whatever the title yeah. of that book is. And uh, I said it was like some movie where you don't have to like NASCAR racing to enjoy the movie. And it was Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise. And I got that wrong. And I got a flood of dumbass. This is what the actual movie title is that you were referencing. So there you go. Correct. Editor's note. I've corrected it. And the movie was Days of Thunder. So moving on. All right. Uh, um, so you made a mistake, week. and that was your retraction, is what, it was what that was. Yeah, because the listeners wanted it corrected. Otherwise, they Correct. wouldn't have taken the time to Facebook me. So, yeah. I mean, hello. Anyway, um, if they corrected me every time I did something or misspoke, wow, what I did this week in guns would be what I screwed up on last week's show. Oh, we should start that. Uh, no, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this week I got out and I built some stages. We're having a club level match on Saturday that Matthew was just talking about. So we got out there on Sunday and, um, while trap was going on, I took the tablets that we just bought. We bought seven and, uh, CCFR, bought us about seven and some cases. CCFR is a SummerSlam major mat sponsor. So a portion of their sponsorship went towards purchasing tablets for the club. So that's just fantastic. And, um, you know, like somebody said, there's no, everybody in the CCFR is, is uh, a volunteer. So that's Gunny's money going back into Gunny's pockets and supporting grassroots programs and stuff like that. So I thought that was pretty fantastic. Um, so I got out to the to the range, and I've got an inverter that I plug into the cigarette lighter of my trust cigarette lighter. That's funny; it hasn't been a cigarette lighter since like nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, it's anyway, just a
2: twelve volt yeah. to- connector plug. Now I don't know what they yeah. officially call it, but it's not
1: a cigarette lighter anymore. You're right. No, it's just a just a a socket. Anyway, um, so I got out there with the inverter, ah, uh, the tablets that run the scoring app, Practice Score. And I bought a wireless printer because at SummerSlam we need to print the stage results to post for the competitors to verify mm-hmm. with their uh, with their stubs from each stage that they shoot. Uh, it took some doing, but I, I mean getting the the tablets to pick up the Wi-Fi from the D-Link hub I bought and get them to, getting them to synchronize with no problem. And I I taught a couple of the guys how to score on them while we were sitting around, and then getting it to pick up the wireless printer and print stage, stage results and match results from a practice match that I put into the uh, program just so I could test stuff out. That took a bit more doing, so um, I will test it all again when we hit the range tomorrow night. Probably when you're benching your pistol, I'll go in the camp and, and, and practice everything one more time before the match on Saturday. Sure. And even though even though it's a club-level match, it's not sanctioned, it's not official, I'm still going to print the results after the match just to... Oh, yeah, give it a
2: test run, man.
1: Absolutely, yeah, just, you got the
2: opportunity and the chance to, yeah, work all the bugs yeah, out now.
1: Exactly. So I've got two matches at our club before SummerSlam, and then there's a there's match. There's
2: only yeah. two matches at your club before
1: SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, one in one in one in May, one in uh, June, and uh, then July. I mean, I'm gone for yeah. the charity, or not the charity, sh- yeah, the charity. Yeah, the charity shoot. Yeah, charity shoot and, and, and uh, pistol yeah.
2: class and all that stuff. So the, and the, NFL, the yeah. The uh, SummerSlam is after all that stuff. Then in July.
1: Yeah, the SummerSlam starts on um, the pre-match, is the second and the third cleanup day on the fourth, and the reception uh, registration night uh, match proper is the fifth and the sixth. That's August, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
2: Yeah. So. You'd think I'd know that because we say it every single week, but I don't.
1: Yeah, well, so. no, we haven't been because it's been sold out. But as a matter of fact, sometimes it's not sold out. There are three spots opened up if anybody is still interested. So you can just send, send an email to the rest of your gun club at gmail.com, and we'll get you signed up. So anyway, the stages are done. The tablets are all synchronized, and I was able to print and everything, so that's cool. Uh, my TAC-21. I had my TAC-21 uh, coded and I had it Cerakoted. I wanted to parkerize the receiver in the barrel well you can't parkerize the barrel because the barrel's stainless so that was a that didn't work so i said all right Cerakote it. so he cerakoted the barrel and the receiver and then i had the tac 21 chassis itself cerakoted white so here i had this white chassis with black accents and black trim and it just screamed clone trooper rifle it was like something right out of star wars right I got it out to the range, couldn't hit the broad side of the burn. It was ridiculous. I was like, did he bend the barrel? What the heck? And then it occurred to me, it's a clone trooper weapon now. I can't <laughs> <be> it. <laughs> what, what was I thinking? Oh, so, uh, um, truth is, I just didn't like it white. So, I brought it back and he stripped it and Cerakoted it Elite Smoke, I believe the color was. It looks like parkerized metal. So uh, that's what I went with, and it came out really good. looks Looks awesome. Uh, Muffin and I hit the range on Monday, uh, both with our 308s. I sighted in at 100, and then just by luck, the mill dot right underneath my duplex crosshair is 200 meters. So 100 meters is the crosshair, and the first dot is good for 100. I doubt very much that the third dot will be good for 300, and the fourth up for 400. But I'm going to try it for fun. Oh, absolutely yeah it didn't um, the the action didn't come out like the uh, uh ceracoted the inside of the action mm-hmm. and and my 1022 when he ceracoated the inside of the receiver it almost acted like a lubricant Re- right 1022s are very rough so it, it made the action very smooth in the 1022 but the action had already been blueprinted and polished and all that good stuff by uh, Filthies and my gunsmith there down in Fredericton, Chris. And Cerakoting, it didn't do it any favors. It made it very gritty, so I've got to get in there with some polish and uh, sandpaper and remove the Cerakoting from inside the action. Uh, rounds were painted chamber. So anyway, I'll, I'll address that. Um, Accuracy-wise, shot MOA. Couldn't I didn't I don't I may have had a group or two that was better, but I can safely say it shoots MOA. It's Mark, not shoot. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That's it's yeah. sort of the benchmark, right? Yeah, exactly. I I don't know. I'd like to have better than MOA or this you know fancy schmancy target rifle, but it, it is what it is for now. Maybe I don't know if the uh, throat. Uh, there's a new chamber cut, so maybe the throat of the chamber is still breaking in a little bit. Maybe it'll improve after I you know get a boxer. Well, I probably put. Probably put 50 rounds shoot on Monday. What kind of ammo are you shooting? Uh, these are handloads. It's Winchester brass, 45 and a half grains of Varget underneath a 168 grain Amax. It loves Amax more than Vmax. Or a, yeah, I was shooting Vmax before. Now I'm shooting Amax. And uh, before I had the barrel cut and the new chamber put on, listeners were sending me Amax. I got some from from Kevin. I got. Uh, Some from another listener, because it was just crazy how accurate it was with that 168. I do have some. Another listener sent me some 190s to try, some 190 Sierra Match Kings. So I'm going to try it. Those are all loaded up and and ready to be tested, but I'm going to get the action cleaned out first before I do anything else with it. But it's sighted in, so it's back in the safe, and it's sighted in. Good to go. I know where it hits at 100, and I know my holdover for 200. So, Um, yeah, like it shot. MOA at 200 as well. It was probably a little better than two inches at uh, at 200, so I was pretty happy. And then I tested out the Matador Arms SKS at 100 meters with uh, the barrel cut the crown, uh, target crown put on, and it's threaded for the comp, and I had the loophole scope on it, and I still shot between three and four inches, so I didn't really, <laughs> I mean, if it shoots three or four inches with a scope, I wonder what my other one will shoot uh, with iron sights at 100. I, uh, curious to see the uh, same maybe (laughs) i hope not i hope it's a lot worse (laughs) (laughs) i don't but you know i mean three or four inches is what i would expect with iron sights really yeah so anyway um and finally uh i got my hands on the alberta tactical modern varmiter there's a guy there at the club he always has the coolest guns and he had uh, a modern varmiter he put on a um, like a like a smaller profile barrel, not a heavy barrel. He's got an ultra lightweight handguard, ultra lightweight stock. The gun is light. I mean we we know it's non restricted, so it has an eighteen and a half inch barrel. So is my three gun rifle. And this thing is probably it's easily a I don't wanna it's lighter. I don't know how much lighter. I want to say it's a pound, but I can't be hundred percent sure. So but man it's light. It's light. You don't know that you're not holding an AR. They even got the bolt release in the same place. I mean, the the receiver upper and lower are different, but it still uses basically the same style of bolt release. Um, magazine release in the same place. His was decked out with um, a target trigger. I mean, it was a single stage, two pound, super crisp, like just amazing. He had a super cool loophole scope on it. I mean, just and we've we've heard stories that uh, and even even. Alberta Tactical says you should be shooting these things with uh, premium ammunition. He says it will eat anything that he's put through it. Any kind of ammo he's bought so far, he's never had an issue. So nice. uh, I gotta get one. I know they're super expensive, but they are. I'm gonna say it. They're Canada's coolest non-restricted black rifle I've seen and held. Quite a few, including in the, the you know the HK and uh, just it's it's a non-restricted air. It really, really, really is. They nailed it, man. So if you were thinking about one, it certainly has my endorsement. Uh, and then right before the show, as a matter of fact, while Matthew was still talking, I was sorting the ammo I loaded earlier. I loaded up the match ammo that I need for this weekend, probably a little extra so I can practice tomorrow. But yeah, I know I got some extra. So um, some X-Metal targets, 125 grain projectiles. The classic gun seems to like them uh, well enough so far. I, uh, there as accurate as anything else I put through. I think tomorrow night, Matthew and your, Checking out some ammo on paper. I'll do the same with these, see what kind of groups I get, because I don't know if I really. I st- I just stood freehand at 10 mm-hmm. and adjust- adjusted the elevation on the site and called it good and went to a couple of matches. So. Right. Yeah. But uh, that's it for me, Adriel. How about you?
0: I am texting back and forth with a buddy of mine, and I just bought a Savage 64.
4: Oh, huh, sweet. Well.
0: They were like 169 so I figured, yeah. like, yeah, I got to get one of those. That's Absolutely. a good price, right? Yeah. Is it? I hope so. Well, they're $1.99 at, at Cabello's, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good I, price. Like it. I like it when we buy guns live on the show. I've done that <laughs> once myself. Telling Matthew, you need to step up, slackers. Um, yep. I bought a PAR live on the show. Oh, you yes. did too, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, you're winning. <laughs>
0: I am winning. You're winning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my buddy was sending me a, a picture. He's got a couple boxes of, of Savage 64s in his trunk. I'm like, buy one for me. Get get your butt back in that store. I need one of those two. Nice. <laughs> well needs a funny word, but uh, No, it's the it's the correct the correct <laughs> one in this case. Uh yeah. Uh let's see. This weekend I shot some gophers in the face. Oh, I hate uh, you. Yeah. I was actually That's out awesome. at the field that I took you guys out to and yeah.
1: uh there's not
0: enough there's not enough gophers out there. We're no. so uh, I'm in the middle of scouting out some uh some other fields to uh Check out some other ones that might be more full. Because, you know, I like to I like to shoot about 100 or more gophers in a day. And I only shot like 30, 40 kind of a thing. And that's just unacceptable. Like, <laughs> if you're going to go shooting gophers, you need to shoot like at least 100, right?
2: Oh, you're hilarious.
0: Yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah, 30 is just, ah, pedestrian. Um, <laughs> well, sorry,
1: that was just really, really funny. Uh, 30 is just so pedestrian. Uh, I used a uh,
0: Savage uh, 17 HMR. Uh, it's the 93R17. I think the BTVS trim, which is that thumbhole stock. I don't really particularly care for the, for shooting with a thumbhole stock, but uh, the stock on that allows for a good cheek weld with a scope. And a lot of those, uh, especially, I, I don't know why Savage does it. Some of their cheaper 17 HMRs have like a really like the the stock comb drops off so that you can use the iron sights. Now, who wants to use iron sights with a 17 HMR? Like that thing's got some pep. It'll go out to 100 yards, and you can punch tiny, tiny little groups with it. So, mm-hmm. um, when it when it comes to a 17 HMR, it's got like it's got to have a scope on it. It's got to have the 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 uh, relief for the the cheek rest that's the appropriate height. So that's why I went for that one, and I continue to kill gophers over and over and over again. It's like point and click, 100 yards, target dot, put the dot on the gopher, pull the trigger, that gopher is toast. Nice. If you didn't get it, I I love gophers. I love going, going, go for hunting
2: <laughs> I couldn't tell. No, I don't think anybody could tell.
0: Tell us <laughs> so again where exactly you shot these gophers in the face. Well, uh... in the anywhere, anywhere of the seventeen and <laughs> oh yeah, <either. laughs> it's going to be game over. Um, yeah, so that's fun. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, my a buddy of mine made the, me this cool pen. So he got a. This is, has nothing to do with guns. It's kind of to do with hunting. I don't know. Uh, so he got he got a pen lathe which is like a really small like mini lathe kind of a thing and he, he was mentioned that he, that he was going to make some some cool pens he asked if i had any cool materials i'm like i'll give you some antlers so i uh i had a couple of you know just so ho- ho-hum uh deer antlers and I, I gave those over to him and uh just this week he gave me a pen made with the antlers for, of the deer that i shot which is i thought really cool
2: that is really cool
0: yeah. Uh let's see. And then uh yeah, so the the Patreon listeners uh and their uh donations actually ordered a better computer for Matthew. You don't know about it on the show, but like every once in a while he's got to go off and like restart his computer cuz something's not working on it properly or, you know, it's uh and it takes a uh, quite a long time to start up because it's pretty old.
2: It is. It's pre- pretty old and um and yeah, I'm looking forward to a new one one that will be yeah. a little more trouble-free. So a huge thanks to all the Patreons, Patreoners, Pat- Patronizers. patreonies, patreonies. That's the one.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to help the show, too, because it's going to make it. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, editing, like, one of the things I noticed is is when you put the uh, the show is about, you know, an hour to two hours. Program it takes quite a while to to do that on on that computer and yep. this one being so much newer and, and faster should get that done really quick so like you 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 definitely put in like a ton of time for this show in, in editing and and I think you uh, you deserve a computer that's gonna go fast and you know not uh, take a bunch of your time up
2: yeah I want to go fast <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Shake, and, shake and bake Ricky Bobby
2: ain't first All or right.
0: last I ordered it to my place. <laughs> Because you got some sort of like communist taxes over there that uh, <laughs> we're going to make it like a lot more expensive. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had it originally shipping like straight. To- I looked at it, it. was like, man, what the? Where- where's all these extra fees coming from? Yeah. HST. Yeah. Oh, man. Ugh. Ugh. Couldn't do it. Uh, and that's, uh, that's for me. Uh, Kelly, what were you up to?
3: I was on Battle Road. I spent the whole entire weekend last weekend going through and looking at all the sites that the American Revolution, uh, well, the starting point, anyways, for the American Revolution. So Lexington Green, uh, Monotomy, we went to um, Miriam's Corner. Is that where they,
1: they dumped the tea in the, the harbor?
3: Yeah, Boston. Boston Harbor, would they? And then there was this whole thing about the whiskey tax, and it was very interesting to talk to people about that. We met some, we networked with some Appleseed people, so that was fun. We did no shooting, though. But we learned about war and what starts it. Apparently, angry people who get taxed.
1: (laughs) 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 And what is, like, the most popular slogan on the right right now? Taxation is (laughs) theft.
3: Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, that's what we did. We spent the whole entire weekend just walking around uh, Boston, Boston Common. God, I love that city. And then we had burgers, lots and lots of burgers and cider, Mm. which I posted and sent pictures. And lobster. We had lobster.
1: Now, that that was rock lobster, though, right? Not like the Atlantic (laughs) Canadian lobster?
3: It's Atlantic Canadian lobster. I don't know. That's just wrong in the East Coast. Mm -mm. I know. Yeah, we didn't have any chowder, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> chowder. Chowder. I
3: was thinking about it, but no, I had lobster instead. It was delicious. And we spoke about this before the show. One of the other things in Canada that is just not right, they kept asking us down there, what we, our burgers, right? How we wanted our burgers, and we got them actually rare because we could in canada they burn everything because you know what production anyways that was it i did no shooting
0: Well, we head on to upcoming events the seventh annual canadian podcasters charity shoot will be saturday july 8th at the guelph rod and gun club in guelph ontario it's hosted by the canadian patriot podcast and the international international liberty or death podcast this charity uh, this year's charity is many to one uh, and just anyone can go to this, right? This isn't just podcasters, right?
2: Oh, no, no, no. You have to be part of an elite group to go to this. No. <laughs> you have <laughs> no. to be anyone.
3: <laughs> That's
0: breathing. I don't know if we've uh, if we've clarified before on the show. Yeah. So Anybody so can prepared. go. Yeah. And get to and? meet some celebrities. Yes. Mm.
2: God, and
3: we'll then you there. can also meet us. <laughs> I was uh, going to say you can also meet us as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There will be some
2: celebrities and we'll also be there. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think this is the first time all four of us will be in the same place.
2: I think no way. That's true. I think true. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's just because you wouldn't come out to Alberta and do the pistol yeah. course with us.
3: that's absolutely true because I don't <laughs> like you guys.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> because
0: you don't like fun. like go for- Well,
3: Actually, <laughs> I've been yeah, been yeah, met you guys before but many times and I've traveled to New Brunswick, but I haven't traveled. Oh, never mind. I'll just shut up now.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> Have you ever been <laughs> go hunting
3: no, I haven't, but oh. I've been to Alberta many times, Live there. I like it, except for when it's nice. snowing, like yeah, today. Like, yeah,
0: like today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got no snow today. Anyways, uh, there's one spot available for day, day one and zero on day two for the Alberta pistol course on July 15th. That's the Ferlacci course. Yep. Uh, Anybody left to pay, Matthew? Yeah, a couple. All right. So They got until when? Uh, yesterday. And until month? the fortnight? Till, till the to moon day. zenith.
2: Till the zenith of the rising dawn of the sun. Yeah, no, I think um, uh, if we don't hear from them by, what, what did we say, Trevor? Wasn't it June uh, th- 1st? Th- yeah, I think we said June 1st, yeah. Yeah, so June 1st. People should pay by June 1st. I think pretty much everybody has. Not everybody, but pretty much. I can send
0: emails to people who haven't to remind them. Okay. I'll do that. Ah, uh, the second annual Ronnie Degroot Steel Challenge at the Rusticouche Gun Club will be June third. That'll be at ten a.m. Twenty bucks, two hundred and fifty rounds. Uh, there'll be steel challenge stages and shoot off competitions. Man, that's such a good deal. I said this last year too, but twenty yeah. bucks for for a shoot like this is such a good deal.
1: Yeah, pretty. It's pretty much twenty bucks is the standard price. The only thing that's different is um, sanctioned matches used to be twenty bucks, but. Uh, the sanction fees for a match is five bucks a person. So, if the club wants to keep their full 20 bucks and give the association their cut, people are upping the price to 25. So, I know like there's two clubs now that are charging 25. And when I uh, schedule a sanctioned shoot, it'll be, if it's a level two, it'll be 25 as well. 25 is a pain in the butt, though, because uh, you're, you're having people paying cash. Yeah. Well, you know what?
0: We'll uh, get a bunch of fives. Go Tough. get a whole
1: mid phone. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I go with 40. the float. So, yeah, I mean, I can't say that this is taxation and theft because the sanctioning fees goes to pay for programs like um, subsidizing the cost of RO clinics for new ROs, uh, covers the entry fee, covers, you know, the overlays, the rule books, uh, helps pay for teams that are going to nationals. So, I mean, the money is is put back into the IPSC community, so i understand why we have sanctioning fees i don't have an issue with it but um yeah so people charge the 25 so they get the full 20 and the association still gets their cut
0: so how how does the 20 and the, the five get broken up again
1: well you have to pay sanctioning fees for sanctioned shoots so the association collects five dollars per person so for every adult that shoots an IPSC match in new brunswick if it's a sanctioned match and on the schedule, um, arrows will get their points, and you pay five dollars per shooter to the association. So, if I have you know five shooters show up, I got to give the association twenty-five
0: bucks. So the five bucks goes to the association, and the twenty bucks goes to the match.
1: Yeah, no matter what you charge, if you charge ten bucks or twenty bucks, you're still paying the association five bucks per shooter. So clubs have just taken to put up the price from twenty to twenty-five. I've noticed you know you know right. what uh like what what does a match cost out there an actual ipsic match
4: <laughs>
1: i have yet to go to one right. you don't want i think to they're around 40 here.
0: bucks if some of the ones i saw were around 40 bucks
1: mm-hmm. and i mean yeah i don't know i mean if that's what it costs that's what it costs you know if there's you got to pay for your targets you got to pay for your tax for your patching Uh, Ipsic Alberta is going to get a cut the same as any provincial section is going to, going to take a cut because that's what makes the world go round. You need money to fund your programs. But if your club has to rent the range, let's say you've got a pistol section at a club and they have to pay the club a rental. I've seen this happen. Like, you know, uh, it's the Ipsic section is charging money and putting the money in their bank account. Then the club says, well, then it's a range rental. So, they've got to pay whatever the club wants to rent the range that day to hold their, their match. So that's, that's in situations like that, that's where the cost jumps up to 40 bucks. Right. Mm -hmm.
3: Some are fun at uh, Frontenac front this year is
1: $170. Yeah, that's crazy.
3: Yeah. Yeah, You know, like
0: that's, I think the price is fine as long as it's, uh, as long as the target tree and the course of fire make up for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like some of this stuff is expensive. If, if, if there's a whole ton of like really cool, innovative targets, like I could see spending 170 bucks because I'm treating it like I don't particularly care about like whatever costs are on the other end. I treat it as mm. I'm spending 170 bucks. Am I getting like a really cool shooting experience from that match?
1: well wow. oh, I would hear, Adriel, because I mean it just—it's not fair for me to to brag about the price of Summerslam because it's just cheaper for us to operate. Again, mm-hmm. I don't have to pay for the range, but we yeah. charge 140 dollars and that gets you between 14 and 16 quality stages, level three sanctioning, um, kick ass awards. The awards are a nice metal plate shaped like the province of New Brunswick. You get a banquet with that. That's included. You, uh, you, you want an extra tickets, 25 bucks, but for your $140, you get a banquet ticket. You get a reception, a welcome night, like Friday night is registration night. There is, um, uh like a, a, a big potluck going on there so there's food for the people when they arrive we give them um a welcome gift last year we gave them a welcome gift we gave them a, a nice steel water bottle with uh, the club logo on it said summerslam 10 on it we had four no we had six guns on the prize table plus other stuff um the the food at the ba- at the on the match you had to pay for but it was it was good quality smoke on the water stuff all for 140 bucks two-day match yeah good deal it is a good deal that's why we we sell out every year mind you there's still three spots left for this year but yeah and i mean still still a ways away yeah so you can 140 bucks you can't kick for what you're getting yep but um yeah summer summer fun is 170 but I know darn yep. well. It, it costs them more to put on summer fun. I don't know. Probably yeah. Not, yeah, and I'm not talking about. I don't even know if summer fun includes a banquet or or what's included mm. with it. I yeah. don't know if there's a welcome gift. It doesn't matter. Just the the overhead alone of holding a match in Ontario just costs more. Yep. Yeah.
3: And I'm not yep. going shooting that weekend at the range because yep. it's closed.
1: Yeah. So go so shoot just, summer. Uh, go go shoot it.
3: I know. Eh, I should do that, but I have to get my black badge. Yeah. Uh, well. Mm. we mm. won't go there right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool all right the next one we have here is the btsa they're having some young gun shoots in calgary alberta at the civil flats shooting range september 30th turkey shoot october 22nd pumpkin shoot december 31st snowshoe shoot uh the next one we have here is the meford long range steel challenge prs match that'll be running september 1st to 3rd at the Canadian Forces. Forces Base Meaford Registration is open, Uh, follow them on Facebook for more details Uh, Next up after that, uh, 3-gun matches We have a few coming up this weekend There's the Lakeland 3-gun match in Grand Prairie uh, no, sorry, Cold Lake. I'm, I'm thinking ahead of myself here. Mighty Peace three gun in, uh, in Grand Prairie. And then the Medicine Hat, uh, rifle and revolver club is running their match on, uh, this Saturday as well. So, uh, lots of, uh, three gun action this weekend in Alberta. Uh, the, uh, next one we have here, the Restigouche gun club rifle raffle. Who put this one in? did. Uh, do you want to put some details in there?
1: Uh, we're raffling off a Savage Access in uh, stainless 22-250 with a Bushnell scope. Um, tickets were 5 bucks a piece or 20 bucks for 3 I believe. I had I said it last week and then forgot to write it in there. Um, so if anybody wants tickets, you can email us at the club at gmail.com. We'll collect an EMT, take a photograph of your stub. And email you the photo of your stub. If you insist, I will actually mail you your stubs if you want to get in on this raffle. So far only one listener has taken advantage. Awesome. Uh next, uh
0: the Silver Willow Sporting Clays in Carstairs, Alberta is doing a ladies learn to
1: shoot on Oh, that's past. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> you
3: we'll can't go to delete it. Delete that one. <laughs>
1: I believe it's yeah. a responsibility of the lead host yeah. to ensure that the show notes are up to date. <laughs> Is it not, Kelly? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Kelly. Well,
0: I'm the one that looks dumb if they're not. So, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, so did you so want to so say, talk about the uh, grand cash shoot here?
3: Sure. We just opened up. So, Project Mapleseed just opened up a grand cash, Alberta.
0: Oh, so we just lost Kelly then, huh? Okay, oh, you... I thought it
2: was me. <laughs> no. Oh
3: no, no nope it was me. I was drinking and then I. I was myself st- and I forgot wow. to unmute myself. Yes, I'm here. Hello. All right, we'll carry but, on yeah, then, was, as if okay. yeah. so you were and drinking t- and talking I'm, at the same time. Was, that's amazing. I was doing the thing. Okay, so project and then,
1: yeah. And mind. then yeah. And then I stopped for a drink.
3: Yeah.
1: Had a problem <laughs> I, when Kelly, you're mid sentence and you're drinking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Five o'clock somewhere.
3: <sighs> yeah, that's actually what we said. Never mind. Okay. Project <laughs> Maple Seed. Project Maple Seed. Project Maple Seed has opened up another shoot in Alberta at Grand Cash on July 22nd. If you're interested, because all the other ones in Alberta have sold out, then drop by our website, which is com. Check out the events page, because on July 2nd, there are spots. Grand Cash. Yeah, it's $40. So come out for the day. Earn your on back. 40 bucks, that's it. And uh, if you are somebody who is a youth, it's $15. And if you are somebody who is uh, with emergency services, whether it's the fire department, police police services, uh, corrections, or if you are an EMT or anything like that, I think, believe it's 25 Yeah, so it's a good deal.
0: Awesome. Any other events? All right, nope. let's move on to the news. Uh, the first one that we have here is a news article on the CBC. Uh, it's more than a million restricted, prohibited guns in Canada. Ooh,
4: uh,
2: so I think
0: scary. I wanted to I wanted to pull out a couple of points from this article because I think they're trying to make it sound scary. But uh, uh, there's a couple of points that I thought was really interesting. Uh, one, the number of restricted firearms in Canada rose 5.5 percent last year. Uh, so that 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 number keeps
1: going up. Can I ask a question? Do we know if that's the number in people's possession or the numbers in the country in stores that haven't been bought yet or the total number? I think All it's right.
3: registered number. Isn't it?
1: Because, I mean, owned. the number of guns. Did it say owned?
3: No. Millions of restricted firearms. Mm, number of restricted firearms rose 5.6 or 6. Point, what is it? 5.5%. So, right. So. so does
1: that mean the number that was imported pay. into the country for sale? The number that people bought rose? Mm. I, I don't
3: know. You know what you know what that's because of? Poor because writing? Of the, well, yeah. It's <laughs> poor writing. Because you don't know. But it also rose because everybody's buying them because of the fact that everybody's thinking the liberal government's gonna make them all prohibited or something.
1: I don't understand that. Well, I'm buying fewer restricted. I wanna buy non restricted stuff. Uh, they, they're, on, they're working under this assumption that, well, if I have it, I'll get grandfathered in. Just because we got grandfathered in last time don't mean we're going to get grandfathered in this time. Hmm.
0: But I, I look yeah. at it as positive because more people with restricted guns means more, uh, more people in competition shooting, which means more competition shooters, which means more money for those matches, more match availability, cooler matches, more accessible matches, all that good stuff.
3: Okay. I, I read further down. It says ownership.
1: Ownership. Okay. There we go. So, um, Ed, I'm not. That's a possibility, Adriel. I think it's um, my take on it is slightly different. I think the more restricted firearms that are owned in Canada, the better, because it sends, um, regardless of how they're being used. We know they're being used at a gun range, whether it's plinking or competition. The government doesn't care, but what it does tell the government is, hey, there's obviously a demand for this class of firearm. There's more and more every year. Maybe. You know, there's some legitimacy here. Maybe we should Mm -hmm. be friendlier to these voters.
2: Yeah, maybe we shouldn't irritate the voters who are going to vote for us again. So if we take away everybody's Mm -hmm. gun, then uh, they might not like us. So,
1: yeah,
4: that
2: -hmm. is a good thing to have as many as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. do your part, listeners. Go buy a restricted firearm today. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at uh, competition shooters as well, the other thing that they do is spend a lot of money – on on their hobby (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. it's not... uh, like You can do for on the cheap, but most people don't. Most people get quality gear uh, so that they can be competitive, right?
1: Yeah, like Mm -hmm. when the Nationals came to my region, the economic impact for this area was huge. And I mean, talking about an area, I mean, I often refer to the town I work in as New Brunswick's version of Flint, Michigan. It's a dead, dried up, decrepit mill town. With almost no middle class left, you either own the Timorans or you work at the Timorans. Like, it's awful. And yet, w- this is the region where we were able to host, at the time, the largest Canadian nationals. So, a huge impact. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think there's, uh, there's definitely some positives from that. So, uh, good news on there. Uh. Uh, the uh, ATRS, Alberta Tactical Rifle, uh, is releasing a modern varmint factory option. Uh so normally their modern varmint and modern hunter rifles have been uh kind of custom. You could pick your barrel, you could pick like a lot of uh, different accessories and that kind of thing on them. This factory option is meant to be like uh uh a, a basic standard kind of a setup and it's uh it's somewhat inexpensive compared to the other ones. Keep in mind like the, Oh yeah. The the US dollar has changed so much, but now this factory option is twenty seven fifty. Yep, which I I want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the next one i got here is uh north uh, north silva's brought in some and they they didn't say that they brought, brought a lot in so they're, they're probably they're probably going to get snapped up pretty quick but the mm-hmm. uh, agila mini shells in seven and a half uh, uh birdshot or, or target load uh buckshot and slug And they're the cutest little slugs. They're so
1: cute. They they don't they don't do so well. Um, Muffin has a couple of boxes of these. They don't do so good in an eight seventy. Really? Yep.
0: Huh?
1: I wonder why. uh, uh, They just don't want to feed because of the length and the lifter and stuff. Mm.
0: Yeah, I saw a guy running those uh, in the in whatever they had before a seven and a half or whatever in a a KSG. And surprisingly, it ran. And that was <laughs>
1: hilarious because it just never ends. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Um, and we tried them in my nine, my 930 Jam Pro, and it wouldn't work either. I can't remember if Psycho we did thing. my Versamax. I don't think we did. I think I just brought my Jam Pro because he was buying one, so he wanted to try mine.
3: Apparently, this is an adapter you can buy for it, too. But I don't know. I'm reading through the the thread.
0: Cool. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Uh, CRAFM, Craftham. They just brought some uh, F1 AR 15s in. So if you're looking for a premium AR 15. The fast ones, right? Formula One? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're the fast ones. Yeah. They
1: come in red, and uh, that's really all you need if you're going to get an F1.
2: Ferrari.
1: Uh, they are. Well, it's like the ul- They're like the ultimate race gun 3D, or er, 3D, <laughs> wrong sport, three gun <laughs> AR. They're, they're the. Frame, the upper and lower are skeletonized, the handguard skeletonized. Yeah. You can get them in different colors. They look cool. I like them. They look cool. Yep. Uh, the next item I have here Canada Ammo has
0: reduced all their barns, ammo, and bullets to clearance. So if you're looking for that or looking for something to add to your uh, pants order, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Go
3: ahead. Don't, don't <laughs> still have no pants.
0: You got to get that <laughs> free shipping, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sat- the last one I have here. Saskatoon Gunworks has aero Precision matched upper and lower sets for $199. So if you're looking at doing a, an AR build, that's a, that's a pretty decent price to, uh, to start an AR build mm. on.
1: Matthew, is your lower in Arrow Precision or is it a blue line?
0: Blue line.
1: Blue line, okay. okay. Interesting.
0: You're interesting. Why, thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. Arrow Precision is pretty, pretty well known in the States. as like a, a, a good quality... Uh, value brand that uh, and I mean that's a that's an excellent price awesome well why don't we uh, head into the main topic and uh, Trevor and Kelly I don't know if, I don't know if you guys would be too interested so just go ahead and mute your mics and next I'd like to welcome onto the show Ian from Forgotten Weapons Ian uh, thanks for coming on to the show oh my pleasure thanks for having me awesome so some of our listeners might uh, know you from your YouTube channel Forgotten Weapons but you're into quite a few things uh, tell us a, a little bit of like like. What uh, uh, what kind of things are you into right now? Oh, that's a, a question with a very long answer. Um,
5: <laughs> I, I'm kind of always looking for new and different firearms that I'm not familiar with yet. Um, my focus is always uh, has always been experimental arms, and the two areas that interest me largely um, are development of semi-auto rifles and pistols and development of manual repeating rifles and pistols. So... There were a couple periods in firearms development history where there was a ton of new change going on and, and people coming up with all sorts of strange, may, maybe effective, maybe very ineffective ways to uh, to get some of this new technology. So we saw that when we went from single shot rifles to repeating rifles um, and then saw it again going from repeating guns to semi-automatics. And to me, those yeah. are some of the most interesting Types of well, that's
2: that's when all the innovation sort of happens, right? Whenever you change a technology, whenever you go from one style of action to another, all of a sudden you have like three or four different people or maybe even more coming up with different ways to do the same thing. And then you can kind of pick and choose which action kind of ends up being the most reliable and the most accurate. And yeah, I agree with you. That would be a fascinating part of history to look at.
5: Yeah, exactly. The market during those times is wide open. You don't have to be an established company to become successful And nobody really knows what's going to work and what isn't. So you'll get some designs that are just spectacular failures and you'll get some others that we can then through history, watch develop and mature into things that, uh, become, you know, very much standardized and kind of boring many decades (laughs) later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you you'd mentioned like the move from a single shot to repeating and then to semi-auto, but I think one of the latest uh, rifles that you're like really digging deep into is the uh is the SA80, right?
5: Yeah, the uh the small arms of the 1980 the whole family. Um a lot of people will probably recognize that as the L85 rifle. Um but yeah, that was the the British service rifle that was developed to replace the FAL or as the British would call it the L1A1 or SLR, self-loading rifle. And uh that thing is just a 30-year long train wreck. In motion, <laughs> they finally. <laughs> yeah, I've have been it catching re- up with it. It's uh, it's it's been it's been really interesting to follow so far. They finally got it sorted out about 1995. Um, they brought in HK to actually fix a lot of the problems. Um, HK actually being <laughs> owned by it was a, a British subsidiary at the time. But yeah, from the early development, man, uh, it's a weird rifle in that it actually got worse as it went farther and farther through development. The uh, the early like XL60 series guns uh, that were still in the the experimental 4.85 millimeter cartridge. Those things were in many ways better, more reliable, and better than uh, the L85A1 that they
0: finally eventually adopted. Yeah, well, you know, uh, in your in your series where you're talking about that uh, that rifle and the development, it's just it's so interesting to see all the weird paths that they took and all the designs that they explored with it because. It's just so all all over the place. The safety placement and the magazine release and dust cover, no dust cover. It's like, oh, man.
5: (laughs) Yeah, they had a weird set of handicaps with that rifle in that there was really nobody on the design team who was actually like an experienced, skilled firearms designer. And on top of that, the team, they had people rotating in and out of the, the design team on a fairly regular basis. And what that led to is nobody really knew how to solve the endemic reliability problems with the gun. And instead, they ended up focusing on the little things that were visible and easy to change. And that's why you get a bunch of different variations of things like magazine locking systems and safeties and selector levers, just kind of changing back and forth between different styles, while the gun's reliability either remains equally bad or actually goes downhill uh, as they change things,
0: yeah, um, yeah. I mean, one of the other things that uh, that you do on uh, on your show that I found really interesting was uh, uh, the two gun matches you guys do with uh, with all sorts of <laughs> weird weaponry. Like two gun, most people will run like a, an AR fifteen, uh you know, a nine millimeter pistol or something like that. But uh, you guys run all sorts of interesting combinations. Uh, yeah. What was the combo that uh, that you you found the most interesting to run or the, or the Uh, threw you for the loop the most.
5: Oh, that's, well, the worst one was, the worst one to actually do was, uh, a a Nagant revolver and uh, a 91 Mosin Nagant rifle. And Uh that was, that was an interesting match because I was, I was doing that, you know, in a friendly competition, uh, with my buddy and in-range co-host Carl. And we figured, Mm -hmm. we, we were trying to figure out what is, what are the two sets of, of rifle and pistol that, are the farthest apart technologically and yet would have actually been in service at the same time. And what we came up with was uh, American like reserve militia arms where you could conceivably have a trapdoor Springfield and a single action army uh, in the 1890s hit it against, you know, top of the line brand new Russian gear where you'd have a Mosin-Nagant and a Nagant revolver. And the theory is, you've got a double-action revolver, you've got a five-round bolt-action rifle uh, against a single-shot rifle and a single-action revolver. And I managed to lose, even though I had the new technology. (laughs) 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 Uh, It it turns out that neither the Mosin-Nagant nor the Nagant revolver is really all that good of a firearm.
2: Ah, well, yeah. If that's the case, then it's understandable.
5: (laughs) Yeah, but it didn't help that Carl is actually quite skilled with his single-action army and his trapdoor.
0: Yeah, I've seen them yeah. run some uh run some guns pretty uh pretty quick. Um and then you guys have run like some pretty heavy uh uh not machine guns, but uh but semi-auto machine guns, I guess. Yeah, I've done a couple with semi-auto conversions of
5: machine guns. I did one with a semi-auto Bren gun, I did one with a semi-auto Madsen light machine gun, which is an yeah. awesome rifle, by the way. Um and we did we did one with a semi-auto BAR, but I made him shoot that. I I wanted to no be part of that. <laughs>
0: Didn't want to hold it up to the shoulder and take some shots at 100 with it. We both kind
5: of dislike almost everything there is about the AR.
2: You don't like the AR, the and BAR. that. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Um, we'll talk to you another time. Never. <laughs> it's okay. You, uh, I'm just, just mute myself here for a while.
5: <laughs> well, you know, awesome you'll have to be specific because there's you know the AR10 14 15 16 18 180
2: um, oh it's the AR7 the- all the way man AR7 for the win
5: Oh God that is one that I have no interest in <laughs> yeah. man there's like four different versions of that thing and they all suck
2: <laughs> yeah for, for the listeners who don't know that's the um, the survival. Um, breakdown, sort of 22. It's uh, notoriously unreliable. And uh, yeah, I I used to have one, actually. I had the Henry version of it. And it wasn't, uh, I wonder if I can say this without laughing. It wasn't the worst gun I've ever owned,
5: (laughs) but just barely. (laughs) The evil trick about that thing is they made it so it floats. So you can't even throw it in the lake and get rid of it.
2: I know. It's like, I don't even want this thing. (laughs) You throw it away and it just bobs back to the surface and comes right back at you. It's (laughs) like, come on. (sighs) Ah, <sighs> yeah, no, it, it was not ergonomic, not reliable, not accurate, just I didn't like it very much. Yeah. But as for the other ARs, I mean, the AR-15, man, what, what okay, what's wrong with the AR-15?
5: Nothing. Oh. Really. Okay. I You just, you just I don't actually, like it? No, I do
0: like it. Oh. No, I don't like the, the B-AR.
2: Oh, yeah. sorry, I must have, I, I heard you say AR, I thought you said, oh, my bad, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, everything I just said, you can just ignore it all.
5: Carry on. <laughs> see see so the, what I mean <laughs>
2: about me saying stupid stuff? <laughs>
5: <laughs> the funny thing about the BAR is the World War I version was actually better in most ways than the World War II version. Uh, pretty much every other country that, that used the BAR, um, specifically the Belgians, the Poles, and the Swedes, they improved it You know, during the 1930s. And even Colt on the commercial market in the U.S. improved the gun. But the military changes that the U.S. made from the, the 1918 to the 1918A2, it really went downhill. Um, it got less reliable. It got substantially heavier. They put on a bipod that was, in some cases, worse than useless. The sights got worse. It just, man, they, they did not do any favors to that thing. I know there, there are a lot of people out there who look at the BAR and think it's it must be this fantastic gun because... Um, well, the U.S. used it in World War II, and we won. Therefore, it must be a good time. So, <laughs> no, that well, logic the, is
2: great. I love that logic. Yeah, no, no. Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah it's the other way around. Uh, you know, I we have won despite huge, of it. <laughs> exactly. I have huge respect for anyone who actually fought with the BAR because they, they overcame that rifle to to succeed, not not the other way around.
0: <laughs> well, uh, one, one of the questions I had for you, um, which... Which rifle do you think was the most pivotal in the last, like, 100 years in terms of, like, rifle development? Something that uh, totally changed the game?
5: Ooh. um, uh, There are, it, it's impossible to give a, you know, one strict definite answer to a question like that. But there are a couple that are very significant, maybe more significant than some people realize. Um, I think the Henry is actually one of those. I think the, the Garand is one of them, and uh, the Mauser is definitely one of them. All of those are rifles that really led to substantial changes in, in general outlook on what was possible and what ought to be sought in, um, in rifle technology.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that, Henry, for sure, because they were going from like muzzle-loading muskets to lever action in like the Civil War. And that, yeah. like, that revolutionized warfare at that time.
5: And the Henry, in particular, there were other repeating arms at the time, you know, or, or within a few years, but the Henry just absolutely blows all of them away. Oh, absolutely! It is so much faster and more ergonomic, and just better. You know, the Henry—it certainly had problems. Um, its magazine was kind of a mess, and that's what you see Winchester improving over, you know, the the ten or twenty years after the Henry came out. But mm-hmm. compared to the Spencer, compared to the all of these breech-loading carbines that were developed and even adopted in small numbers by the U.S. military during the Civil War, um, the cavalry specifically, the Henry just massively outclasses all of them.
0: Mm. I concur. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, like, I guess kind of the uh, the opposite uh, question to that, what was the worst rifle <laughs> that was foist, foisted on an, on an army for the longest period of time, in your opinion? And it could be something obscure if you want.
5: Boy, I don't want to sound like an American broken record, but uh, the Trapdoor Springfield, while a good gun, was not the right gun for the U.S. Army for a long time. i um, trying to think what else would be a, a good answer for that.
2: Well, the SKS, obviously. I mean, that's just...
5: <laughs> the interesting question is, how long was the SKS actually in service?
2: <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't even all that long, was it?
5: Exactly, they there's, went
2: from the SKS things- trade into the AK-47, but uh, it, Except- that, that, that's just a running joke on the show here. As we always uh, hate on the SKS, <laughs> even though most of us actually like the rifle. It just seems to be the the easy ugly kid to kick when he's down kind of thing.
5: Okay, I, <laughs> I really think there. I think there's a very interesting story to look into with the SKS. In that it's kind of like, in some ways, like the M14 in U.S. service. It was being used for just a very short time, hmm. and the the reason is. After the Soviet response to World War II, what they learned from that was a couple things. They wanted, uh, holy cow, submachine guns are awesome, is one mm-hmm. thing that they learned. And they wanted a self-loading rifle. And the, the SVT, the Tokarev rifle, had turned out to be a disappointment for the Russians. Uh, they originally intended it as a marksman's rifle. Um, the first ones were all meant to be scoped. And they had accuracy problems with it. They couldn't get the first round to always be consistent. And so what you'll see if you look at their production numbers is they produced SVTs for about two years and then dropped them and went back to making mosin Nagants and then making submachine guns in huge quantity. And at the end of the war, they were trying to come up with a replacement for the SVT, and that was the SKS. If you look at its designation, it is a semi-automatic rifle. At the same time, at the end of the war, they have the TPS-43, which is this cheap, just wildly mass-produced submachine gun that's pretty good but they're looking for an improvement to that. And the new submachine gun is the AK. It, In its designation, is it's a submachine gun. Mm. And it takes very little time before they realize that both of these guns are using the same cartridge, and the AK just does everything that the SKS does. But better. And for less money. Yeah. And has, I don't know about better, but it has a wider um, range of, of uses. Right. So well,
2: yeah, I mean, it the AK, has the option to go full auto, right, where the SKS just didn't.
5: Right. The AK can serve as a rifle and as a submachine gun. Right. The SKS is just a rifle. Although, did, did
2: they still call it a submachine gun when it was using a, a, a rifle cartridge? Because uh, usually, I've, I've always, at least from what I understood, submachine gun meant it was using a pistol
5: caliber. That's how we have defined the term. Oh, okay. But the actual designation in Russian is... it's a a submachine
2: gun. Oh, okay. Interesting. So in in Soviet Russia, submachine gun is bigger.
5: (laughs) (laughs) You'll see the same thing with the East Germans. They adopted the AK under the designation of machine pistol, MPI. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Big bad machine pistol. That is a big bad machine pistol.
5: Big old (laughs) banana clip, basically cut a man in half. (laughs) So you can almost make an analogy to the M16 and the M14. Turns out, the M16 can kind of do everything that you need a rifle to do, and it can act as a stand-in for a submachine gun at the same time with actual controllable full-auto fire.
2: Yeah, yeah, M14 on full-auto is not exactly what you'd call controllable.
5: No, and originally there was supposed to be an M15, which was a the light machine gun variant of the M14, pretty much the same gun, but with a pistol grip stock and a, a permanently attached uh, bipod, and that's oh, yeah. what... That's the the plan. Was that would be the light support weapon, and then the rifles would be just rifles with right. a full up switch for emergency. Yeah, and and for budgetary reasons, they ended up dropping the M15, and they just kind of squashed all of those requirements into the m fourteen, which surprise, surprise, it wasn't really able to do well.
0: Yeah, huh. hmm. uh, Ian, how did you uh, how did you get started in all this? I mean, you seem to like know everything about, <laughs> about all these old guns and their development. How did you uh, how did you get into this? Um, well,
5: I've been interested in, in guns and shooting since I was in high school. Uh, started I wouldn't say started collecting uh, when I was in high school. Not not with my current perspective. I started occasionally accumulating guns with no particular rhyme or reason. And then after I, I in college, I spent a couple years on a bullseye pistol team. And that's what really gave me a foundation in shooting. Uh, and then after outside of college, I started hanging out with some people who had some pretty impressive gun collections. And just read a lot and listened to them a lot and ended up picking up a lot of knowledge there and realizing that this was something that I found very, very interesting. So I started doing a lot of reading on my own. It it began with, at the time, uh, Internet discussion boards, which are kind of falling out of use now, uh, and then turned into more academic sources, um, starting to really get into technical reference literature
0: and firsthand um, user reports awesome yeah i mean it's uh you know you don't you don't see that growth all you see uh when, when you look at your videos is like oh Ian knows uh Ian knows everything huh? <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I can assure you I do not um, what I do know goes into the videos
0: so hmm. well we uh we definitely appreciate it because uh there's not really a lot of videos out there that like take the real technical approach that you do to your to your videos and it's Something I appreciate watching them because uh that's the kind of guy I am too. And uh I love I love like eating that eating that like real technical uh video review and just chewing it over and, and uh learning a lot. And I mean you shoot most of the guns that you uh, uh review as well. And those are those are always interesting to watch, you know, slow-mo video on, you know, some old pistol jamming or something like that.
5: <laughs> you know, I'm getting to the point where I could put together a really cool uh compilation video of Malfunction.
2: That would be fun to watch.
5: Yeah, probably fact, full yeah,
2: of 1911s, huh?
5: Um, <laughs> you're just stirring up now, aren't you?
2: <laughs> I kind of am, yeah, I do that.
5: <laughs> there would be a number of Lugers in it, I'll tell you that.
2: Yeah, they, they were not known to be reliable then, huh? Uh,
5: actually, that's not really fair to say. Um, Lugers are pretty decent, but I did some shooting with a couple of reproductions of Thirty-two and forty-five caliber Lugers, and oh, yeah. those particular guns were not that great. Gotcha. Uh, they're super expensive, but they. I think the the assumption was most of the people who spend twenty grand on a reproduction forty-five caliber Luger aren't actually going to go shoot it. Ah, so, right. So maybe you don't have to get it working just right. <laughs> just it just has to look right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So uh, so tell me, what is your opinion? So between the Luger and a nineteen eleven, what would your go-to be? Because those uh, two sort of squared off in World War One or World War Two, right?
5: Well, yeah. Um, to, uh, to, yes, um, and also in World War One, U.S. was using the 1911 in World
2: War One. Oh, I suppose, I, yeah. That makes I would. Sense.
5: Yeah. Tough question. I would probably go with the 1911, but I would be hard pressed to actually defend that choice in rational terms.
2: <laughs> gotcha. I understand. <laughs> That's cool. I was just curious.
5: Yeah, I like the feel of them better. Mm -hmm. Luger is renowned as a very ergonomic pistol. It has a a fantastic grip for most people. I grew up with 1911 style stuff and it's kind of still ingrained in me. Right. Um, I certainly wouldn't turn down a Luger, though.
2: No, no, of course not. And I suppose going to war, you'd probably want a 45 anyway if you're limited to ball ammo where you can't use uh, hollow points and...
5: If I'm going to war, I don't want a pistol.
2: No, of course, but I'm just saying. I mean, just looking back at World War World War II, where they, they you know, those were their standard sidearms. So I mean, the Germans had the nine mm and the Americans had the forty-five, and that's, you know, no, no real surprise. Everything's bigger in America, right?
5: <laughs> uh, America and Britain, right? Although, again, I don't want to be the wet blanket. Maybe this doesn't qualify as being a wet blanket, but there's. Again, there's rationale, everything is a trade off and a compromise. Right. And there's a reason to go with a smaller cartridge. And the classic example of that is why the British stopped using the four fifty five, you know, the huge Webley revolvers and switched to what is basically thirty eight Smith and Wetham. And the reason was when they had the forty fives, this was kind of the the imperial period, and the only people running around with revolvers were officers. Officers were generally aristocrats who provided their own arms and their own ammunition and, well, not their own service ammunition, but they did their own training. You were pretty much expected to show up with your own pistol and knowing how to use it. Mm-hmm. These guys were reasonably well-off people who had the time and the money and the opportunity to become good shots with their revolvers. And they'd compete, and this was a lifelong thing. Well, by the time after World War I, you know, in World War I, all of those guys got blown up by artillery and they're all dead. <laughs> Uh huh. In the 1920s and then going into the 30s, they are kind of democratizing the army. You know, officers are no longer just aristocracy, and they're getting more types of soldiers who are being issued pistols. Guys like tank crewmen. The, the British didn't really believe in submachine guns at that point, and they're not going to give a Lee-Enfield rifle to a guy in a tank. So no. they start issuing revolvers. And what they discovered was with a 45 caliber revolver, it takes a lot of time to actually be able to shoot one of those things proficiently. Mm-hmm. Whereas when they go to a much lighter 38, and I mean, we're not even talking 38 special, we're talking 38 Smith & Wesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, co- in their designation, it was 38-200, but the cartridges are basically interchangeable. Right. Um, they found that with a lot less training, guys could actually make more hits. And they made the calculated trade-off that we'd rather have, let's say we'd rather have this recruit make four out of six hits with a 38 than make one out of six with a 45. Right. And that, I
2: mean that even goes back to the 9mm versus 45 argument. That's that's something that many people who favor the 9mm will say, you know, yeah, sure. I have smaller bullets, but I'm going to make my hits. You can have big ones, but it doesn't matter how fast you miss, right? Does you know, yeah. you miss and doesn't matter what your 45 slug does if you don't hit the guy. So
1: Exactly.
5: It will not in fact blow your arm off if you make a near miss.
2: It, wait.
5: <laughs> what are, are you
2: sure I'm Did you read to... that on the internet? Because if that wasn't on the internet, I'm not sure if that's true. Because I read on the internet that if you barely graze a guy, it basically blow him up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so that's 45, it's a but with EMP, the 44 Magnum.
2: Oh, it's the 44 Magnum that, that does that, I guess. Okay,
5: gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and you have to aim for the enemy's belt buckle because that's war material because you're not allowed to shoot him with the gun because that's a Geneva Convention war crime.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, huh. All these hypotheticals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ian, uh, what, uh, what kind of new stuff are you into or what kind of new develop- developments are you into now?
5: Uh, I'm kind of focusing, well, you mean new for me or like new technology?
0: <laughs> yes, like new both. for you.
5: Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm kind of focusing on French small arms at the moment. Um, in fact, I'm actually slowly working on writing a, a book on French rifles.
4: Are you
2: finding so that they have lots of scuff marks and whatnot on them? Because, you know, they're usually just yeah, dropped. I think I dropped.
5: know where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the record I have in my collection is a Berthier rifle that has eight stock repairs from being, <laughs> shot, out, from being shot out of some guy's hand. Okay. Uh, recovered, repaired, issued to a new soldier, going back out. That guy gets killed. They recover the rifle. They repair it. They eight stock repairs. Wow.
2: And not all just <laughs> from dropping the rifle, but actually got
5: shot out of his hands and stuff. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> I agree. Uh, the French get, I, I hate to say it, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's vastly overused, and it annoys me to no end when I see it.
4: <laughs>
5: uh, um, maybe it's because I'm of Scottish ancestry, and the Scots and the French are historic allies. But, man, the French get a just a pointless bad reputation. Oh, and yeah. Kind of there are more Frenchmen died in World War I than the American public can even conceive of. Right. So you said you're uh, writing a book right now? Is that your first book? Yeah, it is. Um, and it will be, <laughs> it, it will be a, well, hopefully not too dry, but it will be a, uh, a technical reference to French rifles. My, my goal is to write something that has, that allows you to pick up any Berthier or Labelle or Moss 36 or 44, 49, 49, 56, anything you can find on a gun show table and identify what it is and what its significance is.
2: So this is uh, basically going to be a New York Times bestseller then, is what you're saying.
5: Oh, totally. Absolutely. Excellent. Yes.
2: I look forward to seeing this in a bookshelf near me.
5: Oprah's going to give away copies. It, it'll be fantastic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it actually no, sounds still, like it uh, would be
2: a, a fantastic reference, though, for somebody who's into that sort of thing. Because, that, I mean, yes, that's going to be a little, you know, it's a bit of a niche market. But um, if, if that's what you're looking for, I mean, there's, there can't be much out there on that subject right now.
5: There's literally nothing written in English. So that's uh, perfect. Well, I shouldn't say that. There is one book printed by Collector Grade covering development of French semi-auto rifles. Right. But that's mm. it. There's really nothing in English about Labels, Berthiers, Moss 36s, any of that. Well, that's you know? cool. Yeah, oh, and I'm doing it French because... You, um, hmm? Go ahead. I was going say I'm doing it because there needs to be a reference. I've, yeah. My father, my father wrote a kind of similar book on Japanese rifles. So I know better from his experience than to expect there was actually any money in.
2: <laughs> you're just doing it because it needs to be done, right?
5: Yeah. And honestly, it looks good on a resume to have a book. And of it's a book it that I'd like to read. So
2: Those are the best yeah. kinds yeah. to write because they're interesting.
5: Well, that's what I hope. <laughs>
0: yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're you're like you're so much of a a known reference like you uh, did EA talk to you about uh, Battlefield 1? I thought I saw that somewhere.
5: Uh, I showed up in the credits at the end, yeah.
0: That's awesome.
5: <laughs> I, I don't think it's a coincidence that pretty much every gun that was in Battlefield 1 is something I've either done a video or a website article about.
0: Nice. Oh, so they put you in as the credits because they had to use your materials for the game, but you didn't actually like, consult on it.
5: If I had, I would be under NDA
0: and not allowed to talk about it. Ah, good uh, point. Okay. <laughs> Now I saw I saw that uh, I I played a game and I was like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does know a lot of a lot of both these things. Huh, interesting. Uh yep. yeah, what what other kind of uh things are you into? So you're writing a book on uh, on on French arms.
5: Yep. Um and actually the other interesting project right now is exactly on the opposite end of the spectrum. And this is something that uh Carl and I are doing on Inrange TV and it's a project we call What Would Stoner Do in twenty seventeen? And we had this idea we get asked from time to time, well, okay, if you could have any AR, what would it be? And after thinking about it, you kind of realized there isn't, what we want isn't actually out there being produced by anybody. And what we would want is to basically go back to the original concepts of the AR-15, which were to use the most advanced materials possible and to make a, a very lightweight, but still militarily effective rifle. And we've gone 50, 50, Plus years with the AR-15 and haven't really developed on those fundamentals. Uh, the weight has generally gone up. Certainly in military service, the the weight of the M16 has gone up every single time they introduce a new version of it. And we looked at it and went, well, what if we could use some of the the new technology that didn't exist in the 50s when Stoner designed this thing? And so we're looking at things like carbon fiber and pencil weight barrels with nitride coat or uh, nitride treatment which does everything that chrome lining did but better, and it allows you to have a very light-profile barrel that doesn't have the ingrained stress that barrels did 30 or 40 years ago. Um, You can actually stress-relieve the barrels so that when they get hot, they don't actually warp. Um, It used to be if you had a thin barrel, once it got hot, your point of impact would start shifting dramatically, and we know enough now to be able to produce very thin barrels that don't. Your group size will get bigger when the barrel gets hot, but the center of that group will stay in pretty much the same spot, which allows you to save a lot of weight on barrels. Um, we can look at things like carbon fiber for handguards, modern polymers for lower receivers. Uh, a lot of the the typical polymer receiver out there today is just a duplicate of the standard aluminum receiver, but made in polymer, and those things are crap. Uh, they they break, but there well, they, was one they're... company out there... Uh-huh,
2: yeah. Oh I was just going to say yeah no you can't you can't ask polymer to to be as strong as aluminum with the same dimensions you need to you need to modify the design if you're going to do that for sure
5: Exactly and there was one company that did and that was Cavalry Arms and they made a polymer lower receiver where the the receiver the pistol grip the buffer tube and the buttstock were all one continuous piece and so that area at the where the buffer tube threading would be on a normal receiver which is where all the polymer ones break mm-hmm. that hugely reinforced because it was integral to the buttstock and the pistol grip
2: nice and that
5: thing that thing is a beast of a receiver it's it's not as good as it could be there are improvements that could be made to it but um carl actually was at a match years ago uh with a standard ar and right there with a buddy who had a cav arms rifle and uh they were they leaned up against a truck and whoever the guy who owned the truck didn't notice them got in the truck and and backed up and drove away and drove over both rifles in the process. <laughs> and Carl's aluminum one, the buffer tube bent and rendered the whole rifle unserviceable. This Cav Arms polymer receiver bent and then popped right back into shape as soon as the weight was taken off of it and was wow. able to finish the match out. Wow. So, yeah. And when you put these elements together, especially, you know, like the Red Dot site that we've got on one of these What Would Stoner Do rifles, it's got a battery in it. But it's also got a solar panel on top. Mm-hmm. If you're shooting outside, it constantly, uh, it's running off the solar panel and not draining your battery. And that gives it a 50,000 hour battery life. Um, and even if the battery dies, if you're in sunlight, you can still use the thing. Those are some of the really cool elements that we put together for this project. And we ended up with, um, right now we're working on two versions of the rifle, like a, a specialized 14 and inch carbine, you know, a, a door kickers carbine. Mm-hmm. And that thing is in at, I remember correctly, five and a half pounds with nice. uh, a red dot, an IR and visible laser and a flashlight um, all set up five and a half pounds. And then our our Rifleman's version is an 18 inch barrel. We're still experimenting with what optic we want to put on it. But that thing is going to be under seven pounds with a magnified optic, a bipod, a flashlight and sling.
2: That's impressive.
5: And people, I think a lot of people don't recognize just how significant a little bit of weight can be in a rifle. Um, you know, you'll, you'll often get the response of, Oh, well, you know, you just need to go to the gym more. And (laughs) that's that's fine as far as it goes. But when you actually have to carry the thing for a long way, half a pound or a pound really makes a tremendous difference. Yep. We see that when we hand these rifles to people at matches and they, they grab one and just, you can see the look on their face. They go, Whoa, this is. This is really substantially different, isn't it? So that's what we're experimenting with.
0: Cool. Awesome. Yeah, That's some, that's some really cool stuff. Well, I, I hate to take uh, more of your time, but man, we, I think we could talk forever here. <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to thank you for, for coming on, Ian. It was, uh, it was a real pleasure. Um, where, can, uh, where can people find your stuff?
5: Well, um, the, the single best place is ForgottenWeapons.com. That's the website. I've been running that since before I had a YouTube channel. And uh, all the video I do is all compiled there, along with all my written work. Uh, if you just want to watch on YouTube, at youtube.com slash ForgottenWeapons. Uh, you can find me other places, Facebook, Instagram, Full30. Uh, if you really appreciate what I'm doing and you would like to help support it, well, the, the best place you can do that is Patreon. Um, I have a lot of support from folks at like a buck a month. And that level of help really does make it possible for me to continue to do this full-time and I've been doing traveling recently to Europe and just gotten access to some really cool stuff. And that's all thanks to the, the people who support me on Patreon.
0: Awesome. Well, I mean, you're, you're definitely one of the guys out there who's really uh, pushing our, our knowledge forward. And, and we really appreciate that, uh, uh, that you're out there doing this. You're an excellent advocate for the, uh, for firearms uh, owners out there and, and, and collectors alike. And uh, we really appreciate what you do. I'm flattered. Thank you. No, that was great. I just wanted to thank Ian for uh, for coming on the show again. That was uh, that was really good. And, uh, and thank you man, to Kelly just... and Trevor
2: for keeping their mouths shut for that whole thing. I mean, yeah, they. You were right. That just wasn't the sort of thing
1: that they'd be interested in. Yeah, you know, when he started on Doc Weston's show, I said to Doc, I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to listen with this guy on there. And Doc's like, I know, right? It makes you want to spend money. I'm like, no, man, I'm not a <laughs> Millsurp fan, like at all. But, uh, but now you are. Times have changed. <laughs> <Now> <laughs> Times have changed. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I actually started to enjoy him on the show, and I watch a lot of his videos. I love it when he goes to the auction house, and I love it when Forgotten Weapons... Is it Forgotten Weapons where they do the um, the mud, mud tests?
0: Oh, that one That one might be in range. That's him and uh, Carl. They, like, that was... In like, range. Like, no one else has a, done yeah. that, right? No one else has done, like, a video of... Showing mud, uh, and, and dust on like AR-15s and M1s and, uh, M14s and that kind of thing. So uh, great for dispelling myths, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Awesome. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we head in some listener feedback here? Matthew, did you want to take this one from Calvin?
2: Sure. Hey, Slamfire. I recently started driving a lot for work and so I started searching for podcasts to listen to and stumbled upon all of you. After listening to a year's worth of back episodes, I feel like I need a few more bonus episodes to keep me going, so you should see a Patreon pledge show up sometime soon. And we did, so thank you, Calvin. Also, you've convinced me that I need to support those supporting Canadian gun owners. As of today, I am now a member of the CCFR and the CSSA. There goes all my money. Anyway, keep up the great entertainment from Calvin. Well, thank you, Calvin, for being a Patreon, Patreon Patron, Patron the, 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 money. It's always Patreon. been Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, good on you for signing up to CCFR and CSSA. That's, uh, that's what we want our listeners to do. So thank you. You're an awesome listener. Yee. And, uh, I guess well. we're just going to have to pump out some more bonus episodes for you, huh? Oh, he has a PS here. I sh- I scrolled down some more. I've got a new gun safe that's a little plain looking. So if you have any stickers, I could dress it up with. That'd yeah. be awesome. Hmm. I think we could probably hook you up. I got yeah. some Barbie stickers and some My Little Pony stickers, <laughs> and I'll uh, we'll just send out
0: all the pink ones. Some of those little mm-hmm. like jewel stickers you can use to put around <gasps> the edge of it. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that's a great Be-dazzled. idea. Be dazzled. <laughs> Yep. Bedazzle bedazzle, his safe. <laughs> that. Oh, you know what? I'm going to buy like a ton of those jewel stickers. And one time when I'm over at my buddy's place, I'm going to bedazzle his safe. <laughs> that is awesome. You should totally yes. do that. Yes. Well, good.
3: I think that if we have his address, he'll get some stuff from swag. Right. Adriel? Oh, yes,
0: absolutely. Hmm. Did we we do we lose Adriel? Nope. I'm oh, here. Cool. Your name oh. is that? Oh, so if you haven't sent your address in, Calvin, send it in to the show, SlamfireRadio at gmail dot com. Uh, the next one from uh, John here, uh, Trevor. John, John who? Trevor? John, it's
2: John. John Mc,
1: John McClain. John McLean. Yes. uh Yes. No, I don't. I'm I'm writing a Facebook message. Somebody else can read it. <laughs> <laughs> Check out this prima donna. Holy crap! Okay, all I got all right. it. All right. I don't want to listen. We no, we don't you know want to listen to you. You're right. I'm going to hang up. Yeah. On you. <laughs>
3: All right, so for Actually, John McClane. Hello, Slamfire Radio family. Because Trevor doesn't want to read this. Yeah. I'm going to try and keep it short and simple so that even Trevor can read it. And he's oh, not oh even gee. going to. I know. I right? failed. Oh.
1: And I wa- I wonder why Trevor didn't want to read it. <laughs> Could it be his sarcasm came back to bite him in the butt? Carry well, on, you know Kelly. what?
3: He says that he's okay. I started listening to Slamfire Radio before you decided on a name. So you know why he's been listening for a long time. Yeah, so
1: he's not surprised by my insolence.
3: Mm, Yeah. Uh, Love the show. I do not know Adriel or Kelly. I guess technically I don't know anybody involved. But when I came upon a Canadian podcast dealing with firearms, and it was hosted by three people involved in education, I knew I was going to love it. Uh, The commute to and from uh, the school where I teach is a total of two hours each day. Wow. Wow.
2: That's a long Uh, drive.
3: Yeah. During my drive, I've been doing my best to get caught up on your shows as well as others. Today, I listened to episode 62. Oh, that was a long time ago. That was a long time Um, ago. (laughs) Seems Owen, Matthew, and Trevor were all going on about uh, how pointless DASA or double action, single action pistols are. In my small collection of handguns, I have a Breda 92FS compact.
2: And you better Um, have one of those if your name is John McLean, just saying. Exactly.
3: It's the only double-action, single-action handgun I own. I do carry it from time to time, so he's American.
2: Well, Um, probably.
3: uh.
2: (laughs) I mean, he could have just admitted to carrying in Canada. We don't know. I guess we'll find out in a minute, probably.
3: Okay. Oh, by the way, I use it to uh, qualify for my LTC, License to Carry in Texas.
2: Oh, okay. So there we go. I guess he lives in Texas.
3: He lives in Texas. I wonder if he knows our friend Tim Krasno. I
4: don't know. Hmm.
3: I don't know. It was only my fifth time to shoot it, but I thought, what's the worst thing that could happen? You could
2: fail. You could fail, literally. That could be the worst thing. You could accidentally shoot yourself with it. That would be that would be a worse thing.
3: Or shoot somebody else.
2: That would be even worse too. So there's all kinds of worse things that could happen here.
3: Yes. My class is only $40. That's really good. Uh, I fired uh, the 50 rounds of qualification in the pattern of a double action, single action, double action, single action, and single action. I would take the time to decock the gun to get the double action single action pattern set up, even with the extra time to drop the hammer. I was finishing each round uh fast enough. uh the one of the the one of the uh, range officers said uh, came by and said. You know this isn't a race, right? Each course of fire was five rounds at a varying distances uh, from 3 to 15 meters. I included the picture he, he, of yards, my… Yards,
2: 3 to 15 yards. He oh, is American yeah. after all. Yeah, yes. you, you actually converted that right in your head. It says yards, but you said meters. That's <laughs> how Canadian so you are. I'm so
3: used to meters. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Uh, I'm including a picture of my uh, B27 qualifying target. I didn't see that. Hmm. I didn't buy the Beretta because it's a double action, single action gun. I thought it, uh, I thought it because, I bought it because a buddy of mine uh, had one and it was the smoothest handgun I had ever shot. Well, of course, he's also John McClane. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody that has shot my Beretta seems to enjoy it as much as I do. I challenge all of you to go to YouTube and try uh, and type in Beretta uh, negli- negligent, negligent discharge or bretta accidental discharge and then do the same but replace the bretta uh, name with glock go ahead i'll wait no really <laughs> i'll wait <laughs> i'm sure matthew will do it as soon as he reads this email are you doing it
2: yeah oh, i already did oh okay <laughs> i'm just so, kidding i didn't this is the first time i've read this email <laughs> okay i'll do it right now though you keep reading
3: okay Seems he does his research. At least he does some and then makes the rest up. Oh, I up make
2: up. up all kinds of stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the results of the search of the searches prove, but I do find it interesting that it is relatively easy to find accidental-slash-negligent discharges with Glocks and not so many with double-action, single-action guns. Uh, I'm sure there are... <clears throat> I think it's because there's a
0: bunch of cops with Glocks.
3: Yeah, true.
0: And they've sure- got cameras on them when they're, you know, drawing down on someone. So you don't see a lot of, uh, you don't see a lot of cops with Berettas these days.
3: That's true. I'm sure there are too many variables uh, to either really know what the difference in the search results are. Keep up the good work on the show. My best to y'all. Uh, I know I'm a Texan uh, and I'm supposed to say y'all, but yippee-ki-yay, it's Slam Fire Radio.
2: <laughs> nice.
3: I wanted to add something to the yippee but I didn't. Yeah, good call.
2: That way I wouldn't have to throw the bleep machine up. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm so tempted, but I won't. <laughs> good, good call. This is where I would normally go in and go, it's <laughs> he says, right? But- yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> yeah, um, I won't. That No, thank you for not, though. That uh, That's You're really
2: welcome. appreciated. I hate you so much. I know. So much.
4: <laughs>
2: mm.
3: Anyways, this is a nice email from John McClain.
2: Well, so, look, here's the thing. If you keep your booger hook off the bang switch, doesn't matter what gun you got in your hand, it won't negligently discharge. True. That being said, a DASA gun is harder to do, but I still say an idiot still can, and just because you accidentally shoot off your Glock doesn't mean that the Glock is inferior. It means you're inferior. So, I don't know. I, I still think that the
1: double action, single action is an answer to a problem that doesn't exist. I, I I still concur. That being said, um, Snuffleupagus got his hands on a Beretta 92. I forget which one it is. I want to say it's an A1 maybe. I don't know. It's not an FS. Uh, sweet gun. I mean, I can't hit the mag release to save my life, but it's a duty gun, so you're not supposed to be able to access it like you do a Nipstick pistol. you got to keep that in mind. It's, you don't want to accidentally drop your mag while, you know, wrestling with the gun or taking it out of the holster or whatever. But anyway, Uh, it I, I shoot lights out with it. It's accurate. It's reliable. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got nothing wrong with the, I, yeah, I
2: like the Breda 92. It's one of my favorite handguns in terms of appearance. I really
1: like the looks of it. I don't know why I don't have one. Growing up, I wanted a Glock and I wanted a Breda. Yeah, yeah. No, they are cool. Well, the double
0: action on them is really, really smooth too. Yeah. Like on the, uh, uh, on the shadow, it's, it's a little bit hinky all the way through, but... This thing has got such a smooth pull all the way through the trigger. This is a bread and ninety-six.
1: You still got that thing? I asked you for a price on that like four months ago. You never answered me. It's because he doesn't want to sell it to you. He doesn't want to sell it to me. He's also going to beat him up on the price. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Twenty bucks, right? I was going to give him twenty-seven. Actually.
2: Ah, (laughs) wow. (laughs) I'll give you a dollar for
1: every model number it is. So ninety-six dollars. Final offer. There you go. But yeah, <laughs> no, you're on glue, Adriel, if you think the double action is better on that than a, than a shadow. Oh, it's heavy. Like, it's it's heavy, but it's smooth all the way through.
0: Yeah. Or maybe just this one's been shot a lot. I don't know. It doesn't look like it's been shot a lot. No, uh, I just think maybe you picked up a bad CZ. Maybe. And we're we're talking double action trigger, not the yeah, single yeah. action trigger yeah, pull. Yeah. The single action trigger pull on the CZ is excellent. CZ. Yeah, and it's like way worse on the take up on the on the Beretta, uh, uh in single action is pretty bad.
2: Well, look, I got nothing wrong with a double action only gun or a single action only gun, but I don't like it when they mix them up. I, I understand their theory behind it, but in my opinion, the trigger press should be consistent for every shot you fire. Especially for a duty or defensive handgun, because you don't want that first shot to be long and heavy, and then your second shot be a negligent discharge because you're expecting that long and heavy shot again. Yes, you can train that out of a person, but really, why would you have to? Why? Why not just pick up a gun that is going to have the same trigger pull every time?
0: What well, if on the, you, the safety on the slide is uh, is BS too? It's it's like not as easy to grab and it's yeah. complicated and.
2: Well, I wasn't necessarily beating up the 92. I just wanted to just say that's that's my biggest beef with the double-action, single-action is that, sure, look, if you go on YouTube and check it out, yes, there are a lot more negligent discharges with Glocks than there are with a double-action, single-action handgun. But, I mean, it does answer that problem, or it does sort of solve that problem. It helps that sort of go away because that first trigger press is really long and heavy. But really, you should be training yourself to just not press the trigger when, unless you want it to go off. And in your, when you're in a stressful situation, I still think having a consistent trigger pull between every shot is more important than, you know, worrying about your, your first shot. You know what I mean? Yep. Cool. What's Trevor think?
1: Um, I, I'm just I'm kind of coming up with scenarios like, all right, you keep it cocked and locked.
2: Well, well, then that's that not single the th- action
1: is so light, and you got to dis- you can disengage the safety. If it's double action only, you don't have to put the safety on. You disengage the safety. If you have a bad round or something, you can just keep pulling the trigger and see if it's going to go off. But the
2: problem with that is, and what I've read um, on that, uh, I don't remember where I read this, but it was some study somewhere. They said that that's actually a bad thing, because if you can keep pressing the trigger, people just keep pressing the trigger.
4: Yeah, and, and they, they don't, don't tap the rack
2: one. and get that yeah. that dud out because how many times have you pressed a trigger on a, a dud cartridge and it didn't go bang, but the second time it did very for few. an empty if,
0: empty chamber. For an empty, that's that's empty when chamber. you hear that click a lot. Yeah,
2: so mm-hmm. that's probably a detriment, not a not a safety feature.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just we need somebody smarter than us to come on and explain what the. Um, Rationale was behind the double action, single action.
2: Well, I Why think it was be- to stop the negligent discharges because they're, you know, going, switching from revolvers to 1911s, everybody was, because they, they, everybody preps the trigger, right? And if you're prepping the trigger on a 12 pound, uh, trigger on a revolver and then you switch to a 1911 or some other single action semi auto, you prep that trigger and it's going off.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: You You just don't prep the trigger until you're ready to shoot. I mean, that's sort of, kind of one of the rules, isn't it? Don't press the trigger till your sights are on target. <laughs> yep, that's a yep. good one. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I don't know.
1: That's just my opinion.
3: Hmm. It's a good opinion.
1: Yeah. All right. I'll take <clears> this one from Craig Adriel. Yeah, sure. Okay. It's like yep. six know, lines I, long. I want to contri- I want to contribute and, and do my part. <laughs> it's from Craig. He says, "Hey guys, I picked up my first two ARs." I like
2: I like that. I picked up my first two ARs. <laughs> As you should and- buy them in pairs because they get lonely
1: if you only have one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're both chambered in 5.56. Five, I've read 2.23 works as well, but has lower pressure than 5.56. Five, How would you compare a the 62-grain projectile versus the 55-grain? Um, well, I'd use a scale to compare them. Yeah, I would
2: compare them that way as well. I would also compare mm. them numerically, noting that the 62 is exactly 7 grains
1: heavier than the 55. Because science. <laughs> and the performance between the two. My optic has drops for the 5.56, so I purchased that first. But the two two three is generally cheaper, so I'm interested in your thoughts on the differences. Thanks, Craig. And the drops have to do with the speed. So, yes, you could have a turret that is calibrated for 55 grain two two three at 3,200 feet per second. Well... If you change anything, it's going to change those drops, will be out of spec. You can also load your own ammo to the speed that will calibrate with that reticle. Um, yeah.
0: Well, here's the
2: thing: 223 works just fine in a 556. Five, if you mm-hmm. load your own ammo, then you can load it to very similar speeds as the 556. Five, um, or even faster, it's not that the five five six is any faster. it's It's just got a higher pressure spike when you when it first goes off, and it's just due to the the profile of the neck, I believe, this and the shoulder. But that's a non-issue, really. You're perfectly safe running two, two, three in a 556, and five, five six, and you can load them to to match your turret, no problem. And if you're stuck buying factory ammo because you don't have a, a, a reloader, um, press a loading press yet? Then you need to go and buy a, a press to reload your own ammo because yeah, that's what you
1: need the, to do. Yeah, I, I, I for the for the style of shooting that I do with my AR uh, and the even uh, even with the twist rate barrels that I've had, my NEA with a one in seven would stabilize fifty five grain no problem with the scope. It was shooting like well under two inches. My STI with the um, one in eight twist barrel from the Stag Three Gun Rifle. They they all stabilize five fifty five grain well enough for me to be satisfied with the accuracy. The only reason I would ever go heavier would be if I was shooting a type of competition or match where I really had to stretch out past three hundred. Uh, otherwise, I'm just everything is fine with fifty five grain. We were going to the range, we're plinking. Yeah. Now you know. So if you just happen to have, I, 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 I and and. Have you ever seen 62 grain projectiles available to buy to reload, Matthew? Mm, I haven't really looked for them. I always go 55. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're out there, but 55, Campro is making a good 55 grain projectile right now that I put up against Hornady, and everything was the same. Same rifle, same brass, same primer, same powder. The only difference was a Hornady projectile versus a Campro, and the Campro group was significantly better. So Hm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, heavy bullet if you want to shoot further, that's all.
2: Yeah, that's basically what it is. Cool. Hopefully that helped. Right.
0: Yep. Well, if you want to send the show an email, send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Next up, we have some iTunes reviews, and we've got a portion of one. Uh, it's <laughs> from Beanpod. Was bean this, this from Beanpod? Yeah, this is bean a bean stream. Pod. Yep.
3: Beanpod. Yeah.
0: Beanpod. Beanpod. Uh, it starts off, hello from Tennessee. Really enjoying listening to you guys while I work on my reloading bench. Lots of good info and entertaining to boot. Little news from south of the border.
2: And then that's where and it cuts off. Because <laughs> we, we apparently need to register to read the rest. And so I went ahead and registered. And now we can't read the rest. It's yep. gone. So yep. I don't know what happened. I broke the internet somehow. But the rest of that review is somewhere in cyberspace. So if Maybe we there ever is come no across more. it, we'll read the rest. Maybe that's just the end of it. Maybe he knows. Little news from south of the border. Yeah. That's so it. if you want to leave us a review on BeanPod, make it 150 characters or less, and that way we can read <laughs> the whole thing. Uh,
3: yeah. yeah. Or
2: or or do it on up. iTunes because iTunes you can yeah we can access that apparently. Yes. But thank you to yeah on. thank you thank you to you from Tennessee for sending that in. I don't know who you are or where in Tennessee you are cuz that's all we got is from Tennessee. So, but thank you anyway. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you'd like mm-hmm. to leave a mm-hmm. <laughs> leave a five-star review. We've got 150 five-star reviews so far. Uh 117 from Canada, 30 from the US, one from Australia, one UK, one Lithuania and one Belgium. And thanks very much to everyone who already has
2: I think we just Uh, need to read that list if we get a new one from a new country from now on. So, if you want to hear those numbers again, because I'm sure everybody does, because they only hear them every week. You got to, you got to, huh? Is it have or has? Because his grammar. Oh, now you're now you're switching to grammar police, huh? Thank you very much to all of those who already have. Right, but Adriel,
1: Adriel said has to to (laughs) those who already has. I'm not a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, he he certainly isn't can't attention. count on me for for any like grammar stuff. Oh, I thought you would. I, it sounded okay to me, that's why I was like, maybe no, we need to fix it's, this. It's half. All right. You can switch it to has if you want. <laughs> no. All right. Shoutouts uh, to all the guys who came out to help me set up this weekend's match. You're welcome. Uh, we only got you. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> we only got. Uh, we so seven stages of the match, right? We did two on Sunday and ended up just kind of organizing stuff because at the end of the year, people just kind of put stuff wherever and so sometimes anyway uh so we, we you know we started late in the day we only got two stages done we got back out there on tuesday and chris kingston uh it was just like well we got the guys you want to do another one because i was i we we did a couple and it started to rain and stuff i'm like it's good man we'll come back we'll get the rest done like throughout the week he's like well we're here now i'm like i love you thank you so much boom done got it all done tuesday night for saturday's match i literally need to paint a set of x's on a fault line and double check one cable for us for a, a a swinger like we even got our target stand drilled and spiked to the ground like it's, it's stuff that usually and you know it's always you know something will be missed right matthew like you know no matter how how done you think you are when you start shooting the match and you get guys going through, that's when you realize, oh, I forgot this or oh, I yep. forgot that. But
2: well, that's why you do the pre-match
1: for SummerSlam. Exactly. So, and uh, we'll be there Friday. We'll take a walk through and make sure everything is hunky-dory. And then and it if everything be. goes well. And it'll, yeah, we'll still have to do it at something else. Yeah. <laughs> but if everything goes well, all we'll have to do on Saturday is put up the targets. And please read the description. If it calls for minis, use minis. If it calls for no-shoots, put up the freaking no-shoots. That's all I ask. Do a little reading. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Thanks, guys. (laughs) It's a bit of a backhanded compliment there, wasn't it? Sorry. (laughs) Other shout outs?
3: Yeah, I have one. I just wanted to say hey to Kevin K. I met him not this past weekend, but the weekend before in Kingston at the. Was it two weeks ago? So Kelly has a
2: shout out for Kevin K. from Kingston. How many more Ks can we slide in here? No. that three Ks?
3: But he's not from Kingston.
2: Oh Kelly. You Kevin. Just met so Kelly. you met him in Kingston.
3: Yes. He came to Kingston. So originally it was Picton. It was supposed to be the Picton sheet, but he we had to redo it to Kingston.
2: Still, <laughs> that's a lot of Ks. That's it is pretty, a lot of Ks. Pretty classy. You have to switch is that it? to K L A S S Y.
3: Yeah. I just wanted to say hello because he says he listens. Hello. And he does. Hello. He- hello <laughs> Seinfeld. That's it. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Uh, our Patreon supporters, we have one new one. Calvin uh, is uh, doing 1.72.
2: Yeah, that's 172. Pretty sure it's for me because it's a Cessna. Cessna 172. So oh, I get it. that might be a flying it. reference. So, Calvin, if mm-hmm. that's a flying
1: reference, kudos, dude. That's awesome. Nice job. Really? You couldn't have went with the 182? At least you didn't go with the 152. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> 747 would have been cool 747, yeah, definitely Oh, hey, um,
2: not to pat my own back or anything But for those of you who listen Because you listen for my airplane uh, talks Because we know there are literally dozens of you There's me (laughs) and one other guy But yeah, no, I passed my flight instructor flight test this week So just paperwork now And I'm going to be a flight instructor So that's pretty cool For ultralights, I should mention An ultralight flight instructor Not a real one just one for toys.
0: <laughs> Not a real one. Not a oh, real yeah. flight instructor. <laughs> and we're going to look at an ultralight together. We on are. Oh. Yeah, we're going to go look at one tomorrow. The,
1: yeah, we might, oh. we might buy
0: that. I am so jealous.
2: That'd
3: be hey, cool. <laughs> we should also say congratulations to Adriel on his promotion.
2: You got a promotion? Yeah. Sweet. Yep, that's it. That's all. Okay, <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> oh, and you didn't just shoot gophers, did you? Didn't you nail something else? Oh, there, there might I, have been a. There may know. have been a badger in there somewhere. Yeah, Ain't been a badger. I'm kind of torn because that was my high school nickname, so I'm kind of. I can't wait to badgers. shoot a badger. <laughs> there you go. That didn't take you any
2: time. <laughs> nah, bang! Right in the face.
1: Right in the face. That's the that's the part where you need to shoot a man. Of all well, the nicknames uh, I had, that one was my favorite. Right in the face? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's terrible uh for any of you listeners who may be from ontario or some of the other provinces where you can't in alberta you can shoot badgers so don't call the cops on me it's legal here sweet yep uh please join one or more of our national firearms associations such as the ccfr the cssa it's important to support those who support us get out there and uh, shoot an ipstick match go shoot some three gun bust some clays get out hunting or get that, uh, long range rig ready for some F class shooting. Check us out on Gunners of Canada. Like us on Facebook. We're at 1,667 likes. And we have a whole bunch of other stuff that we may not do anymore. May not do anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. 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 What else yeah. you guys, uh, want to sign off with? Uh, Good
2: night. Let's do something like classy and not like long and drawn out and awkward. We're already packed. Can we the do that? Awkward. Like no, can we can we like back up and do that? Like do, do you guys think it was possible? Three, two, one, slam fire! Yeah.
1: <laughs> that wasn't awkward, but it was lame. <laughs> yes.
0: So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfire at gmail.com.
1: Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over It's time
4: to get a gun